Well, hello, friends, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry and podcast ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church, located in Greenville, Texas. Now, in these few moments we spend together each week, you'll hear great and stirring interviews and powerful messages from the Word of God. But the reason for it all is so you can be touched by... Pastor Chet Haney here, and we are back again for part two of our interview with Deidre Clem. And how blessed we are, Deidre, to have you. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your heart. It was so good to hear about your testimony in the last time that we shared together and just talking about how God worked in your life and brought you into a relationship with Him and also into an opportunity to serve Him as a, as a minister. Pretty exciting. Pretty amazing. Now, um, Deidre, you've been through uh, some of the hardest things that anybody could ever go through, and uh, I'm so appreciative of your willingness to share about that a little bit with us here, because um, actually, uh, the stop before Highland Terrace for you was uh, a chaplaincy with hospice. Yes. And so you had an opportunity uh, in that role um to kind of be on the other end of the bookshelf, so to speak. We were talking about bookends a while ago, and, of course, children's ministry helps people in the beginning stages of life, and the hospice ministry is on the other end of life. Did you see any similarities between the two? Absolutely. I, I will say if someone asks for a chaplain when they're on hospice, yeah, usually they, they, are, they already have some kind of religious belief. Uh-huh. Um, so watching those people and they're often their churches take those final walks with them to go home yeah. is one of the most beautiful things I've ever witnessed. Yeah. Um, but at the same time when they asked for a chaplain and maybe they didn't have a religious belief, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't as heartwarming because yeah. they, you saw the struggle there uh-huh. and I saw the importance for the beginning, yeah. you know, and how important it is in children's ministry to lay that foundation because mm-hmm. later on in life, you're going to need it all through your life, but right. especially then, these little these people are scared. If there's one thing you need to know, absolutely. it's that you're prepared, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. It, it made me remember how important all these things I do in my ministry now. Yeah, so important. Yeah, we just never know, you know, what a uh, what a day might hold. Well, it probably helped you in a way to have already been through. Um, the valley of the shadow of death, uh, in order to be able to share with, uh, some of the folks that you were, uh, uh, requested to come and share with. And, um, I hate to just, uh, blurt this out, uh, Deidre, but, um, uh, it was just three years ago, wasn't it? When yes, three years uh, ago. you had a, uh, heart wrenching experience. And I just want to give you a chance to share with us a little bit about that. At that time, your girls were what junior high? Um, Katie was junior high. She was in seventh grade, and Kennedy was. Kennedy was in high school. She was in high school. She was a junior, so they were fifteen and seventeen. Okay, too young to ever have uh, a phone call like this one. Just tell us a little bit about what happened. Well, um, it was close to Christmas of twenty seventeen, wow. a few days before, and um, my husband woke up in the middle of the night um, after looking out the window and saw that our house was on fire. 
So um, he wakes us all up. My oldest daughter, Kennedy, had some friends spending the night. Really? Yeah. So we wow. got them up, and um, they ran down to my sister's. Her and her husband live on the same property as us. And mm. um, the it looked like maybe just one little portion of the roof, like maybe something had come out of the chimney to set the house on fire, just a mm. little portion. Yeah. What we found out later was that the roof had been burning for three days. Oh and it hurt goodness. the integrity of the roof. So my husband went up there with the fire extinguisher to spray the fire down, yeah. and he fell through the roof. Because it just wasn't strong yeah, enough. Yeah, it just wasn't strong enough to hold him. And yeah. um, he was able, it was it was like a three-story, you know, like a the upper mm-hmm. story came through another room. You know how mm-hmm. the old head was like old farmhouse-like? Yeah. And um, he was able to walk down the stairs, but quickly soon after that, I could see that he, what I first thought was smoke inhalation, but it was actually, he was burned. Mm. So the, um, the ambulance got there actually before the fire truck and mm. they took him to Parkland mm. and we, the house was a total loss. Mm. We live in the country. It took a long time for the fire department to get there. Yeah. Um, it was really just rubble left. And um, I made it to the hospital, and um, we found out my husband was burned 85% of his body. Oh, my goodness. Fourth degree. mm -hmm, And when he fell, Mm -hmm. he um, ruptured um, something. Hmm. I I don't really remember all the details now. It was pretty hectic. But um, they were going to have to amputate his legs. Oh, my goodness. Because there was getting no blood flow to them. Yeah. So um, at the time... I was going to Farmersville where I had been a children's minister and they were uh-huh. amazing. Uh-huh. And all these people came and, uh-huh. um, particularly Tracy O'Neill, who used to go here and, yeah. um, he's he, the uh, minister of yeah, students, student minister, which mm-hmm. my daughter called him right away. And they uh-huh. actually came to the fire and another church uh-huh. member picked me up, took me to the hospital. Wow. And, um, we prayed as a church for him that first night mm-hmm. And, um, by the next morning when I, I I think I left the hospital at two, went home for a couple hours, showered, came back and he had died three times in the night. Oh my goodness. So, um, they brought him back and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's funny how God works. Not funny, but you know how I I was sitting there with my girls and, um, we were trying to decide what to do. You know, do we continue on? Do we let them amputate? You know, we don't, you know, we just don't know. So a nurse came in and I just felt compelled to ask her and said, you know, what do you think? And she went and shut the door and she said, okay, I'm not supposed to tell you this. Yeah. She said, are you a Christian? And I said, yes. And she said, well, as you, like you, I believe there's a life after this and his life after this is, is what he needs. It's, we can offer him mercy now. That's all we can offer him. Bless his heart. Yeah. So we yeah. did, we, as a family and with his, um, with his father, his mother had passed away a few months earlier, and so mm. we had his sister and, and his father. Yeah. And we made the decision just to turn off the thing that regulates his blood pressure, uh-huh. and he died within two minutes. Oh, right away. Mm-hmm. Well, bless your sweetheart, Deidre, and I'm so thankful for your willingness to come and, and to share these things because I know it must have been brutal. It know, was. For all of you to... Uh, you know, just try to figure out what's going on here. Uh, you never expect to have an experience like that in life, and and yet we're all subject to it every day. We are. Every day is a precious gift, and we don't know what a day holds, do we? Yeah, but we do have God that will help us through those days. Amen. Amen. 
So the Lord strengthened you in the midst of that? Yes, I, I had um, a lot of people from church saying, you know, are uh-huh. you questioning God? And to be <laughs> honest, I never questioned God. I knew no. that he literally took that walk with me those days that yeah. I couldn't even, you know, make it to the kitchen barely. I was so overwhelmed. Yeah. I always felt like he was there. I, I felt like he was with me the whole time. You're such a positive person, uh, Deidre. Did it take you some time to kind of get your joy back? Absolutely. I had a Uh girlfriend of mine who gave me something that said, choose joy to put on my wall. And I got that. It was maybe a week after the house burned. And I thought, yeah, there's no joy. I will (laughs) not be hanging that. But as I prayed through those nights when you can't sleep, I realized Mm -hmm. God gave me little joys in the day. And so I started to write them down. And, um, yeah, some days, you know, it was things like my girls got to school on the time or that, you know, the dog went out when he was (laughs) supposed to, I found the remote, but there were joys that he gave me. So I began to concentrate on those instead of the little tiny things, you know, Mm -hmm. like I said, someday it was really, I I could find the remote. That was the the height of my day, but, um, it, it made a difference Mm -hmm. that focusing on that and being positive made all the difference. So, um, how long did your healing process, uh, I'm sure you're still. I am. I feel know. not, I don't know if you ever forget something like that, but yeah. I do feel like I'm on the other side of it. Um, uh-huh. but that took about two years. Okay. Was it during that time that you began to feel sort of equipped, I guess you might say, or qualified yes. to help others? It was during that time that, mm-hmm. um, I was, someone asked me that I used to go to church with said, I mm-hmm. thought you'd be really good at hospice. And yeah. I needed, I needed a mission at that moment. I needed uh-huh. something to do that was positive. Right. And, um, so it turned out really well and I'm glad I did it. It was, it was a good experience. So that was also. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, your calling and your gifting has almost been something that other people notice and suggest to you. Yes, not something you know, I noticed. Why don't you go on this mission trip? Why don't you be a children's minister? Why don't you get into hospice? Isn't that funny how other people see our gifts maybe before even we do? Yes, but that's the truth. That's yeah, the truth. That's the way it works sometimes, isn't it? Well, um, your daughters are just precious. Oh, thank you. Have you felt like uh, survivors in a sense, and we're going to go out and, uh, you know, change the world together? I have, actually. I yeah. I see the strength in them. I did, of course, get them lots of counseling. Yeah. And, and we went through counseling as a family, and, yeah. and I did grief share, which if anybody has lost anyone, and mm-hmm. grief share is amazing. I've done it three times and taught, helped teach it once, and... Um, it's been great. What so. did you get from grief share? What are some of the highlights? Well, um, finding the joy in the pain, which the joy is, in the pain. Yes. The joy in the pain, because mm. like God gives you joys every day. There mm-hmm. is joy in that pain. Yeah. Not necessarily going together, you know, but mm-hmm. he does give you little gifts, um, for to help get you through. So you kind of embrace it. Yeah, they say lean into it. Lean into it. Yeah, I don't know if I one day I le- I was leaning into it and I thought this is really the pits. I don't want to do this anymore, but huh. maybe not lean all the way just a little bit. <laughs> Interesting. So you can lean too far. Yeah, I felt like I was. Yeah, I was and just lose your balance. I did lose my balance, but I, yeah. I, I recovered. Oh, interesting. Awesome. Well, um, what would you say to one of our listeners today, maybe, who? In the little things or in life's huge, brutal things, um, maybe there's a person listening today who's trying to struggle to see, make sense of it all. 
Um, how would you encourage that person? I will say the biggest epiphany for me was that although we have these things happen to us, what our promises from God is that he's going to take that walk with us. And if you allow yourself to see him in the little things, when mm-hmm. you're going through those big things, you'll feel him there. And that, to me, that's what made the difference. Is that an important message you think for children as you minister to children and their families? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. To learn to be grateful. Yes. And to, to, uh-huh. you know, take those little tiny moments that you get with them yeah. and make, make them into something that you remember and not just the big moments. Teachable moments. Okay. You still on? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, that might have been my phone. Uh actually Bluetooth in here. So um let's just back up and we'll okay. we'll edit that out a little bit. So uh Deidre, as you uh minister to children, do you find that uh you know, helping them to see God in the little things is a big deal? I do. Uh-huh. I think that sometimes we, especially the children, want to see these big acts of God. And if they learn yeah. to see him in the little things, then mm-hmm. the big things are easier to see. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I've um, often counseled with parents uh, whose children receive Christ and get baptized at a young age that um, it's real important to help them um, gain a concept of continuing repentance uh, continuing discipleship because, you know, they're little kids. They haven't had the big temptations yet. They haven't really been tested. You know, they haven't robbed any banks, done any drug deals. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And so later they're going to face some pretty, uh, big, uh, test in, in their life tests. And when they do, the, uh, consequences, uh, can be, you know, really, really tough. And really um, long-lasting, if not permanent. So um, it's so nice to find those teachable moments. Like, here's a good one: when uh, when they've been punished, they've done wrong, and they want to get back into your good graces. It's a good time to bring God into the conversation. You know, and think about okay, what happened? What did we learn from it? And what do you think God feels about this? And you know, talk about grieving the Holy Spirit and. Uh, things that we need to understand better if we're going to hear God speak, if we're going to walk with God. We've got to think about God in the, in the little things. <laughs> That's right. Deidre, thank you so much uh, for coming. And uh, let's have a word of prayer together. And let's pray for our listeners. I would love that. Today. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for Deidre's willingness to share her heart and her life's uh, journey and the story, Lord, of how you've been there for her through um, just blessings and also, um, protecting her father through, uh, really, really tough, uh, things that she's experienced. And I just pray father, as she continues to minister to the children and the parents of our church, and as, um, perhaps other listeners, uh, who, are, uh, dialed in today can attest, uh, father in their circumstances in the cities where they live in their church. Lord, there may be um, people going through some really hard times who just need someone to come along beside them and offer a word of encouragement. Sometimes we don't even know what to say, Lord, but just to show up and to be there and to show that we care just means so much. 
So, Father, I pray for our listeners today that you will help them to really uh, maybe search into their own hearts and to make sure that they have more than just religion, that they have a true relationship with Christ that's based on uh, redemption and forgiveness and the cross. And uh, thank you, Lord, for providing salvation as a free gift if we'll just only receive it and desire it and want it and welcome it into our hearts and make you Lord of our hearts. Um, Lord, I just ask you to bless uh, as we go forward and give us uh, strength and confidence for the journey. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm Chad Haney with the His Mighty Hand radio broadcast of Highland Terrace Baptist Church. And we were really glad to have you listening with us today. God bless. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chet. Let's say that uh, I took you down to downtown Greenville to see the Christmas parade this coming year. And uh, we set up shop in downtown Greenville right there on the steps of the courthouse. And we put out our lawn chairs and the parade goes by. And as you're watching the parade, uh, you would not be able to see anything but what's going by at the moment. You couldn't see what's already passed, and you wouldn't be able to see what's coming. Now, if I took you up to the top of the exchange building, and we were able to look down from there, you could probably see the whole parade. You could see it from beginning to end, and uh, kind of experience the whole thing at once. And that's the difference between our perspective and God's perspective when it comes to the life that we're living and the future. Our living hope can already be seen by God because he is higher than we are. The Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways. and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. From God's perspective, he's able to see the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning Because God, as I've told you before, is not constrained by time as we know it. Uh, With God, a thousand years is like what, church? It's just like a day. And a day is like a thousand years because God does not define his reality by the rotation of the earth around its axis like we do. You know, if we lived on the planet Saturn instead of earth... A day would be a whole lot longer because it's a much bigger planet. It takes longer, you know, to get from one uh, side of the planet to the other. And uh, the rotation of Saturn around the sun takes a whole lot longer. Can you imagine a year on Saturn, how long it would be? Well, our year is 365 days. That's the time it takes for the earth to orbit the sun. And that's how we mark our lives. That's how we define our time. But God is not constrained by that. Einstein began to understand this in his theory of relativity, and he, he began to think about time relative to the universe, and, and he understood that time is essentially a, a concept that we experience on earth that's not really uh, uh, constraining, uh, it doesn't constrain the rest of the, of the universe as we know it. Certainly doesn't constrain God. God is not limited By time, and one day we'll understand that in eternity, because time will be no more. So God is able to see your future now. And here's another promise that we have about the future. Because of our secret weapon, which is the power of the resurrection of Jesus, here's something we know. 
And once again, we're told this over and over and over in the Scripture. A hundred times or more, the Scripture says, I will be with you. Lo, I am with you always. I will not leave you nor forsake you. God promises and reminds us over and over again, not only that he knows the future, but guess what? He's there already. And he's going to be there with you for your future. Now, this is a living hope that we have because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is a hope that is full of power. This is a hope that's full of evidence. How can you explain the difference that Jesus made with the disciples and Peter except for the resurrection? Uh, as a matter of fact, when Jesus was uh, laid in the tomb, you know they didn't have graves like we have where we dig a big hole and bury somebody in the ground. Graves were often like a cave in a family would use this cave for their family grave and bury their relatives there. And when somebody else died in the family, they'd open the grave back up and stick somebody else in there. Well, Jesus had no place to be buried of his own. And so Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man, offered his tomb for the body of Jesus. And they put him in that grave. Three days later, he rose from the grave. Now listen, when Jesus rose from the grave, that day Mary Magdalene went down to the grave to see about Jesus, found out that he wasn't there. And so she ran back to tell all the disciples that Jesus had risen from the, from the dead, that he wasn't in the grave anymore. And what was the response of those great men of faith? Every one of them doubted. Well, she said they they didn't believe her. And uh, then all of a sudden, I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 15. Excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says, I delivered to you that which I also received. I'm in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 now. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And then verse 5 says, he was seen first by Peter. Now this was the change that happened that turned before Peter into after Peter. Jesus appeared to Peter. And then the Bible says he appeared to the twelve. Verse 6 says, after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to this very moment. But some have fallen asleep. That is, some of the disciples have already died by the writing uh, of this. Verse 7 says, after that he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. And then last of all, he was seen by me as well, as one born out of due time. Now, this is the most powerful evidence to me of the resurrection of all. And that is the remarkable change of these disciples who were scared. They were running scared. They were looking for a place to hide. They thought they were going to die. They were, uh, you know, not only on the lowdown, but they were holed up, hoping that nobody was going to find them because they knew that they were probably going to be killed too. And then all of a sudden, 
after they became eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus, uh, look what it says here. Uh, Jesus uh, appeared to 500 brethren at once. That's like going up on a hill and teaching a bunch of people. Jesus appeared to so many people, so many eyewitnesses, that his resurrection, uh, now we're talking about incontrovertible truth. Um, if you go to a court of law and you say something, well, that might be, you know, debatable. But if you can bring witnesses forward who confirm what you say, then your testimony becomes more compelling. Now you have over 500 witnesses who are giving the same testimony, and now it's just beyond um, it's beyond arguing. This is a uh, a fact that's attested by eyewitnesses whose lives were radically changed because they saw the power of Jesus. Now, here's what this means to you and me. Your life can be radically changed as well by the power of the resurrection. And you say, well, I didn't see it. I wasn't an eyewitness. Well, guess what? That's okay. Jesus said, even more blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Our faith is not based on blind trust. It's based on the power, uh, for instance, of an early creed that we just read that appears in the book of 1 Corinthians. This is a very early writing that was uh, already being um, sung or rehearsed or repeated, recited by the church in uh, the very earliest days. As uh, this letter went out to the Corinthian church, this creed was already well established about the, the people that saw Jesus. And notice back in 1 Peter now, chapter 1, verse 4, note the luster of this inheritance that we have. The Bible says that we've been begotten uh, to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last day. Now listen, if it's incorruptible, if it's indefilable, your inheritance is not subject to depreciation, nor theft, nor rust, nor wear and tear, not even taxes can uh, threaten your inheritance. It's undefiled. It does not fade away. The newness does not wear off. The joy doesn't fade away. No unholiness defiles it. It is holy and beautiful. And uh, it's also by reservation only. Because verse 4c tells us this. This inheritance is reserved in heaven for you. Well, who is that? That's for you who have believed, you have put your trust and your faith in Jesus. And uh, therefore, you are kept, the Bible says, by the power of God for a faith that it's ready to be revealed at the last time. You know, the resurrection eyewitnesses testify to the truth 
uh, that we're talking about, and it's, uh, it's still changing lives to this very day. Uh, Connie Ochoa gave me her testimony. She wrote it out. It's many pages. I could read it all to you if we had the time, but I just want to share a few, a few words with you. She said, uh, talking about her life uh, during the last year, during COVID, during the difficult time we've been living, she said, I, I, um, perhaps some of you, she says, I was living a comfortable life. She said, I was not thinking I had a lot of sin in my life, but God knew I was not honoring him. And she says, that is sin. She says, God deals with sin severely, so we turn back to him. She, she says, in my case, he tried to warn me. She said, I had constant physical and mental pain. As I went around to 13 different doctors, and um, from March 2020 till now, she said, I even had two doctors tell me there was nothing more they could do for me. I lost all hope. She says, on September the 9th of 2020, I tried to take my own life, which was a sinful thing to do, she says. I took 30 sleeping pills, and uh, she described some other things that she tried to do to, to, to die. She said, God saved me. Thanks for listening today to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard right here in Greenville, Texas. Join us each week at this time as we celebrate His work in our lives through 